Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. I'm just going to invite Peter, um, my should I say better half now, um, to come up and um, I'm just going to pray for for Peter um, before he brings us God's word this morning. Lord, I just pray that um, you would just give Peter your words to say and um, pray that we would have um, open hearts and open minds and open ears to what it is that you want to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I wouldn't say better, I would say the less competitive half. And for those of you who know me well, know that I'm pretty competitive. So um, that just uh, shows uh, where, where Pamela's at when it comes to competition. Um, I'd just love to um, share with you this morning um, something um, from uh, the Bible. Um, I was reading uh, last week from Psalm 118. And um, God spoke to me um, quite clearly from Psalm 118, and I just want to share some of that with you this morning. So um, just to give you a a little bit of background, Psalm 118 is a psalm that's written just after um, a big battle. We don't actually know who wrote it. No idea at all. It was probably um, one of David's early battles, but it had been a costly one, a really costly one. There was lots of death. And um, now the battle is won, and um, the person who writes the psalm is reflecting uh, about how he sees God in light of this costly battle. And I think it's really relevant for us at the moment. We've had a costly battle. There's been many deaths. And um, as, we, as we start to emerge from the lockdown, we start to think about, okay, well, what was that all about? Where were you, God, in all of that? And um, so I'd just like to uh, read you some of that um, psalm. And there's a number of um, verses in the psalm which I think are are really very famous. As I read through it, you wouldn't have said Psalm 118, top psalm that you all go to all the time. It's not like um, any of the ones that you know and you can quote. But there's a number of verses that I think you'll know. So verse 5. Uh, The psalmist writes, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord and the Lord answered me and he set me free. And then verse eight, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. Verse 14, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. All of these verses that I'm sure you know. Verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. You'll know that one if you were around in the 1980s. And uh, verse 29, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Now, um, if, I, if I spoke about each of those verses, we're going to still be here at tea time. And uh, most of you will have switched off and probably Facebook will have cut the feed. So um, I'm not going to do that. I just want to concentrate in on verse 22, uh, which is the one that goes, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Um, And uh, so I just want to to, um, talk about that. Now, you're probably familiar with that verse because it's a verse that Jesus 
actually speaks. So in Luke 20, Jesus looks at those who are around him, the the disciples who were there, and there was Pharisees around, and he says, what does this scripture mean? The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And Jesus doesn't answer the question. He just asks it. And uh, he quotes that psalm. And uh, the people obviously understood what he was trying to say. And what he was trying to say is, I am the cornerstone. You have rejected me. I've been rejected from my hometown. I've been rejected across the whole of Palestine. I've been rejected by the religious authorities. But now I am the cornerstone. And that's what he was trying to say. The cornerstone is where you start building a building. Now, I am no builder at all. But I have done Lego models. And if you've ever done a Lego model, when you follow the instructions, you start the building at the corner because everything builds out from it. And I understand that's what real builders do too. Everything comes from the corner so that you can get it straight and true. So that actually in the corner where there's the foundation, the weight gets taken and the building is strong. Everything emanates from the cornerstone. And that's what Jesus was saying. I am the cornerstone. Everything emanates from me. And that might seem a strange thing. In Ephesians, Paul uses just the same verse from Psalm 118. It says, now, so now you Gentiles, that's us. We're the Gentiles. We're the non-Jewish people. You are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And in the Old Testament, in the time of Jesus, there was the temple. And if you wanted to go and experience God, if you wanted to meet with the spirit of God, people went to the temple. And what? Paul says here is you who are non-Jews, you now, you've come back in to the fold. What Jesus has done has meant you've got a connection to God again. And nothing can come between you and God. And uh, as you come together as a new people, the people of Jesus, you are being built together and you collectively, you house the Spirit of God. Now, the other thing about the, uh, the cornerstone is that you can also interpret the same word as capstone. And the capstone is the one that goes on the top of the building. It's kind of like the crowning glory of the building. It's the thing that you see when you go towards the building is you see the capstone. You don't necessarily notice the cornerstone because it's, it's kind of, it's down there. It's got everything else on top of it. It might be a little bit dusty and dirty because everything's built on it. But the capstone, that's the one on the top. That's the one that everybody sees. 
And you know, Jesus was lifted up on the cross. And uh, on the cross, it was slotted into place. And there he was on the top of the hillside. Everyone could see Jesus. And you know what? As he was on the cross, his final words, it is finished. The battle was over because Jesus has won the battle for us. He's won the battle over sin. He's won the battle so that we can have a relationship with God. And he was the capstone as well as the cornerstone. So the cornerstone and the capstone, that just reminds me of something else that we might be familiar with from the the Bible. And uh, I've got a little picture here, which hopefully should pop up on your screen. And uh, this is our window from our lounge. If If you've been in our lounge, sorry, I'm going the wrong way. There we go. If you've been in our lounge, you have um, seen uh, this uh, window. We've got a pair of them, and uh, uh, they're either side of our fireplace. And uh, it's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And um, Jesus being the cornerstone and the capstone is the beginning and the end of the building. He is the beginning and the end of all kinds of things. And if you read in Revelation, at the end of Revelation, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. But what he says at the beginning of the book of Revelation is, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who is, who was, and is still to come, the Almighty One. Now, you don't find the Alpha and the Omega in the Old Testament because it was written in Hebrew. And the Alpha and the Omega is Greek. And there wasn't any Greek in the Old Testament. But it does talk about the beginning and the end. I got very excited as I was just looking all of this up this week. And I was having a look at um, uh, Isaiah 44. And I'm not going to read the whole of Isaiah 44, but I'd encourage you to do that. Um, It starts off um, near the beginning of the chapter, and it says, This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord of the heaven's armies. I am the first and the last. There is no other God who is like me. And then God takes the mickey out of the people of Israel. He says, The thing is, what you do is like a carpenter who gets this lump of wood and he gets out his saw and his chisels and he chisels off a whole load and he makes for himself a god. And then out of the bits that he's chopped off, he makes a fire and he cooks a meal and he says, oh, I've warmed myself by the fire. Oh, I've made lovely food from the fire and now I'm going to worship the god. In another chapter in Isaiah, it says as he makes the model, He then has to nail it to the ground because otherwise his God would fall over. And God just takes the mickey out of the fact that we we make other things gods instead of him. And what he says is, I am the beginning and the end. And he asks this question. Um, He asks the question, who was there with me when I made the earth? It's in uh, verse 22, 24. That's what God says. I am the Lord who made all things. I stretched out the heavens. Who was with me 
when I made the earth. Now this bit's for Hannah. Um, Sunday schools. Um, when you get asked a question in Sunday school, um, it doesn't matter what the question is, the answer is Jesus. I'm sure Hannah was just speaking that at her phone as she lies in bed listening to this. And um, this is the answer to God's question. Who was there when I laid out the heavens, when when I set it all in place? And the answer is Jesus was there. It says in Isaiah 48, I alone am God, the first and the last. It was my hand that laid out the foundations of the earth, my right hand that spread out the heavens above. And when I call the stars, they appear in order. And God's got that power. He's he's so infinite. He's so much bigger than the universe, which is so big when you try and comprehend it. It's just mind-blowing. And God is bigger and more powerful than all of that. He set it in motion. And at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, God is there. His, His spirit is hovering over the waters. And as he makes man, um, God has this conversation within the Godhead. And he says, let us make man in our own image. The hour is more than two. The word that's used in the Hebrew is more than two. And that's because Jesus was there. There was the spirit hovering over the waters. There was the father, the creator. And Jesus was there, part of the Godhead. We know that because John writes about it. John, who was there as Jesus spoke in Revelation, as he wrote down what Jesus said, John was there and he wrote um, this at the beginning of his book. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word, that's Jesus, was with God. And the word was God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot extinguish it. And just like in Revelation, just like the beginning and end of the Bible... We've got a beginning and end in John. So at the end of John, John says this. But these words are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. And Pamela's already said, if you don't know Jesus, then actually we want to say to you this morning, you can have life in his name. So I want to ask you the question this morning, who is Jesus to you? Is he your beginning and end? Is he your cornerstone who you're building your life upon to make it firm and sure? Or have you started building somewhere up there on the upper floor with no foundation? And if you have, Jesus wants to come in and he wants to be your cornerstone And he also wants to be your capstone, your crowning glory. He wants to be everything in our lives. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you don't know Jesus, it's simple. You just go to Jesus. You just pray to him and say, I want to know you more. I want to give you rule over my life. 
I want you to be everything to me. And you know what? As we pray those kind of prayers, Jesus doesn't disappoint. He comes and he transforms our lives. He changes us. And we can have peace. And so from something that's turmoil, coming out of this battle, we can know peace. And Jesus wants to come in all this turmoil this morning. And he wants to give you peace. He wants to give you joy. He wants you to know love. He wants you to know the love of the Father. He wants you to know the joy of the Holy Spirit coming within you. He wants you to know him. And he wants you to be fully known. Such amazing words from God. As we read his word, that he wants to know us intimately and be involved in our lives. And I want to encourage you this morning. Open up your life if you don't know him. If you've drifted away, come back. He wants to know you more. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. So, yeah, I just want to draw on a couple of, of things there just that, um, that Peter um, said. And he said um, that Jesus says, I am the one who is and was and is to come. What great truth that that is, especially in these times that we are um, living through at the minute. There's so much uncertainty and so many what-ifs and buts. But actually, Jesus is the one who is and was and is to come. And what a great, a great, great promise that that is. And um, just um, Steve Young earlier on, I just um, sent a uh, message through about the song, the Father's song. It says, the Father's song, the Father's love, sung it over me and for eternity, it's written on my heart. What great truth that that is as well, that the Father's, the Father's song, the Father loves to sing over his children this morning. And um, just we were going to just now come, I'm just going to worship in the words of Cornerstone. Um, obviously, a great, a uh, lot of what Peter was talking there was about putting um, God as our cornerstone. So we're going to gonna, um, sing that and then we're going to come and we'll finish off with some prayer at the end. But just um, as we're singing this song, just let what Peter has said um, just sink into your hearts. And again, if you don't know Jesus or you've you once walked closely with him and now you're, you've, you've wandered off, perhaps you feel like the prodigal son in the parable, but you know what? God is here. God is here and he wants to welcome those back and welcome those into his kingdom for the first time this morning as well. So just as we sing this song, just let's uh, focus on God and just let him speak to you, speak into your life.